Yo, BJ Gador with the Get Some Gains podcast, and this special episode is, you already know, it's movie time with C-dubs. How many people do you know that get a custom jingle for Uncle Baby Biscuits? Zero. Welcome to the show, man. Uh, this is a fun one. We were originally going to do something with Rocky. I think we're going to wait till that, till end of your holiday season, so that we all can watch it for free on various outlets. That's the only time you tend to see the Rocky movies for free. It's like uh, Thanksgiving, Christmas, maybe beginning of January. But we're talking Top Gun. We're talking Top Gun Maverick, the sequel. Uh, there are spoiler alerts throughout this entire show. So spoiler alert on that. And uh, man, I, I you know just to start, and we're going to go for the first movie and then we'll go to the sequel. I think we're both in agreement. What a great fucking movie. It's exactly what we needed. And Tom Cruise is here to save movies. Yes, exactly. Um, I think uh, Tom Cruise is one of the last movie stars. You know, the movie star is a dying breed, and uh, I really admire him for for what he does to keep movies alive. And you know, look, say what you want about him. There's obviously the whole Scientology thing is an interesting part of his story. Um, but you know, in my mind, he he survived it, or he still they still have him. I don't know. I don't want to get into a whole Scientology thing today. I don't need them after me too, Dubs. I don't need that in my life. But this guy is 60 years old. He's, he's sold $10 billion of movie tickets. And he's got no reason. He doesn't need to work. He can just mm-hmm. he can be out on an island uh, you know, with a harem and just like live a good life. Fresh cut. I'm talking fresh cut fruitsy, Dubs. Fresh cut. But he's coming out here with his older body and no motivation other than he loves making movies. And it really shows because to me, uh, and I, I texted you this, like the way he took the time, it was only 45, 60 seconds, whatever, but to took the time to introduce the sequel mm-hmm. and talk about like, you know, we're using real fucking planes. All right. And... This was decades in the making, and it was designed to be seen in a big screen theater. I mean, people were like, from Jump Street, the audience was clapping. They were also clapping at the end, which is a sign that it was an older audience. Um, and it reminds me of the, you know, the that you see those series of progressive ads where it's like, you know, that guy is like a coach on how people of a certain <laughs> age to not like, you know. Not your parents. Exactly. And one of the scenes, uh, one of the women starts clapping at the end of the movie, and he goes, you don't need to clap. Nobody that made the movie is here. So it's just, uh, it, it was great. And um, people were just stoked. I hadn't been in a theater in a while where there was that level of energy. How, how was your theater experience? Um, yeah, there were some people clapping for sure. Um, I think it was a good mixture of age ranges. Um, but yeah, man, I mean, I saw it on a Tuesday afternoon at 3 o'clock yesterday. And uh, it, was, it was packed. So Getting that matinee time. I, I'm the same way. What I love about going to a matinee movie is, especially like when it's super hot outside, you get to cool down in the darkness and you come out and it's still, there's still like plenty of sunlight left and you can even watch a second movie. <laughs> I mean, that's, I've been known to do that. I know you have too. Um, so uh, it's, it's a great, great time to go and obviously collecting those savings because, you know, who knows what's going to happen to the economy, Dubs. <laughs> Are you clenching your asshole right now with, with, with the state of the world? Oh, Totally. You're, totally. you're working. You've been working the last five weekends. You're obviously in that mode. Oh yeah, man. I mean, uh, just wrapped an 18 day show. So uh, um, right now it's 
it's kind of relaxing with the off week, but it's also a crunch mode because I have to find what's next, you know? I hear you. Uh, you. You care to talk about what you were just working on? Uh, sure. Yeah, it was a. Uh, it was called My Dream Quinceanera. Um, it formerly was a digital series for like YouTube and stuff, but now uh, Paramount Plus picked it up, and it's going to be on their streaming service. Uh, I think in August. So, I mean, if you're not aware yet, we're, we're working with a legend here, a legend in the cinematography cinematography game, a LA-based cinematographer, our videographer for all of 2021 and the pandemic. Mm-hmm. I mean, this guy put in the work. And, um, you know, this is, this is a good man. He's, uh, he's, he's also a gorilla corn. I mean, you're, you're getting the exclusives here and I'll tell you what dubs, I, I'm excited to see what this type of movie can do ongoing. Cause again, like we're in the age now where super CGI, like <laughs> all these Marvel movies and stuff. And by the way, I just think Marvel is, is completely watering down what was in the first like three to five years of that push, just amazing mm-hmm. movies. It's just, just too much, too much, yeah. too much. And, and none of it is real. And uh, that was so cool about this film. Like Tom Cruise has no reason other than the love and the passion for the filmmaking that really like came through in the screen. And man, he, he is like, if you just look at the body of work, not just the body of work in his movie list, mm-hmm. but this dude is 60 in great shape. <laughs> I mean, he, his, his running form is on point. I'm like, we, we might actually, for our walk-run sprint program, we might start studying Tom Cruise's gait. And it's improved over the years. So I saw a whole ESPN article about how, um, you know, Jackie Jorner-Kersey, uh, one of our top U.S. Uh, uh, female Olympians in, the, in sprinting, uh, said that, you know, she thought he, would, he could probably run a 12-second 100-meter based on studying his form, which to do this is, that's elite. And she said with some coaching, he could, she could, she and her husband could get him down to 11.5 seconds. And so, um, the experts, the, the, the ruling is out from the experts. This man is a good runner mm-hmm. and he does all his stunts. Yep. Yep. And, uh, that's part of the reason. Um, I mean, we'll have to touch base on the, the mission impossible series later, but, um, that's part of the reason why he took over producing that series because, uh, with him wanting to do his own stunts, you know, the liability, you know, the producers were like, no, no. And he was just kind of like, screw you. I'm going to produce these movies myself and do what I want. And, you know, that translated over into Top Gun. Um, when he when he did the first one in 1986, I think the first. Yeah. Well, but by the way, it's on Netflix now for those that haven't uh, seen it yet. No, no. Last day was May 31st. Oh, man. So it is off Netflix. Okay, good. Coming in with the truth. Yeah, yeah, unfortunately. But, uh, I mean, I'm sure you can find it, like, on uh, iTunes or some other streaming platform. But but because of that, that that movie, you know, led him to his love of flying. And, you know, he's he's an accredited pilot himself. And um, he actually... Did a lot of the own his own flying in this movie. He actually put together the training regimen for the other actors to learn how to fly and like the G's that they would sustain. And um, yeah, it's just it's just incredible what he does, and 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 it ties it in with the love of cinema. And, and about as hands on as they get. This guy does not phone it in. Mm-mm, like the yeah. intensity, the commitment. Um, you know, again, he he is one of the all time like in my mind, facial actors. Mm-hmm. 
The way he can, like, without saying anything, get his eyes to well up and just express, like, whether he's, he's chewing, <laughs> his jaw is just chiseling, or he's uh, welling up with tears, or just, you know, his intensity. No one screams or gets hyped like Tom Cruise. Obviously, if you've seen Jerry Maguire, you know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I mean, the movies. Top Gun, Days of Thunder, Jerry Maguire, the Mission okay. Impossible series. Um, even, like, you know, those... those uh, like the firm, like those like classic early '90s, late '80s style like thrillers. Yeah, and then go ahead. There's a there's a couple of the early Tom Cruise films that I haven't seen. Um, like I haven't seen Risky Business. I haven't seen The Firm. I haven't seen A Few Good Men. Um, oh, A Few Good Men is dude. And yeah. That that's worth a rewatch. You get uh, Demi Moore. Uh, it's a it's a list of people just at the top of their powers. Uh, sure, sure. Jack Nicholas, Nicholson. I always forget which one, the golfer or the actor. Nicholson. Okay, Jack, Nicholson. Jack yeah. Nicholson, yeah. And uh, I mean that that just Kevin Bacon. Okay, do me a favor. Watch it this weekend, and I'm going to check in with you on Sunday when I get back from my trip. I want to hear that you did it. You watched right. it. I got to see if I can find it somewhere. I'm challenging you, Dubs. Well, but uh, expense it if you have to. You know. For sure. <laughs> one of my uh, actually, I mean. I could probably go to the library because the library, for those that don't know, you can get you can still rent DVDs and Blu-rays from a library with a library card. So libraries do that. I Fantastic. May have, may, have to, may have to check that out. Um, but uh, one of my favorite Tom Cruise movies actually is Collateral. Oh, that's so good. Yeah. He's got yeah, the full that's... gray hair. And by the way, that, that was an article too. They, they talked about that's like the turning point where his running just got so good. Mm-hmm. So good, and uh, but no, that 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 is that's worth a rewatch. That's a really good action movie, and you got Jamie Fox. They mm-hmm. have great chemistry, man. Beautiful. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, uh, um, yeah, I love Tom Cruise. Great guy. <laughs> so this is a very important question as we get into the first movie. What would be your flight name? Oh, probably, you- probably what C Dubs. Well, I think, I mean, I was thinking your wrestling name, Crash Course, it would be a little bit morbid. (laughs) (laughs) All right, yeah, I I can take Crash Course. What do you think Uncle Babies would be? I think it would just be uh, either UBB or just Biscuits. (laughs) Two good ones. My initial thought was Ass Pussy. (laughs) (laughs) Or or we can go OG and uh, put Metabolic Messiah up there. That that would be, um, that would be a possibility. It's so funny that it's almost like that never existed lately. As I've transitioned to middle age, Dubs, I'm more Uncle Baby Biscuits now. Yeah, right? I want some butts. One of my favorite lines from the movie when he does the flyby. And, uh, you know, it's this... what, What would you say in the first movie was... Like, from a filming standpoint, what was like a big separator for that movie... Um, in terms of you know what was around at the time and you know what, what things stand out from the history side of it. Well, when the, when the film came out in '86, I mean, I don't think. Granted, I did, I haven't seen a lot of military movies prior or whatever, but I think the way that it was shot at that time was really revolutionary. And I think uh, I think. You know, people haven't seen action sequences or flight sequences like that back in 86. 
And so, uh, so seeing, seeing, you know, they actually strapped cameras to those Tomcats planes when they were taking off, you know, and you see that in the opening sequence. So I think back then that movie was what this Maverick is to us today. Like a, holy shit, this is great. This is cool. This is, you know, cinematic. And behind that at the time was Tony Scott, you know, rest in peace. But, uh. You know, he was a he's a visual director. If you've seen any of his other work, you know, uh, Man on Fire, um, Unstoppable. Uh, so I mean, he's he very visual director, very cool stuff back in '86. And I think they even pushed the the envelope and the boundary of uh, filmmaking at that time. I want some butts. <laughs> the uh, there's so many iconic moments in this movie, and again, like. The whole concept of the wingman is like embedded into pop culture from this movie with Maverick and Goose. And uh, I mean, it's, it kind of set he, his career and a lot of the actors in that career, their whole trajectory changed after that. But really like that, it seems like after that, even, you know, you go, I believe Days of Thunder was after that or closely yes. after, um, which I'm, maybe they go and remake that. Maybe. Maybe. I mean, uh, Michael... Michael Rooker is still alive, you know, um, his rivalry and that. And so, uh, you know, maybe it's two old NASCAR coaches coming back to teach the young bloods again, you know? I would love to see that. I'm, I'm all for it. And, you know, the a couple standouts to me in, in the film, there's, there's this classic volleyball scene that is basically like an axe body spray ad. I mean, it's like, it's like... <laughs> This was this is when Axe the, the, the creative team is in there. You know what? We got to recreate the volleyball scene uh, mm-hmm. to sell this body spray. I mean, very very sexual, uh, very erotic, and uh, just like classic eighties, just classic eighties. I mean, throughout the film, but particularly that scene really stands out. What what, what, sure. what do you have to say about that, or what other scene for you was like uh, an epitome of the time? Um, I mean, obviously the the volleyball scene is very eighties. Um, but I, what I think what kind of stood the test of time was the look of that opening sequence, you know, on the aircraft carrier. Yes. Which, I mean, we'll discuss here, but, you know, they pretty much paid homage to it. It was almost shot for shot um, in the new one. But, uh, you know, and with that score going on, you know, the bell ringing and it just um, definitely the opening sequence was very 80s. I mean, you know, you got the... Uh, um, and the first one, you know, with him kind of down by, uh, at the end of the runway, you know, on his motorcycle when he's, when he's not sure if he should come back to Top Gun, um, you know, that was very eighties and, um, it's, it's definitely got its, it's, it's, uh, um, nostalgic to it. You know, the, uh, what am I trying to say? You know what I'm trying to say, right? I know exactly what like, you're trying to say. And it's they got did that timestamp on it. hundred percent. And uh, and it has that certain stink, that 80s stink that if you grew up during the era, you, you got to love. And the soundtrack in general is just out of this world. Mm-hmm. Highway to the Danger Zone, uh, got that love and feeling. You know, um, mm-hmm. the, 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 the score you were talking about that like sets the stage in the beginning. Black screen, white text, and, and it carried over a lot of those elements to connect uh, the, the, the first from the sequel, which I loved. And it goes heavy nostalgia and then it starts to remake itself with, you know, a more diverse cast. Uh, it's mm-hmm. n- not as much a coming of age 
film as it was in the first one as a facing your age, which, you know, we're, we are doing personally right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's, it's really well done. And, and the fact that it was decades in the making and they kept waiting for the right time to do it. And they managed to get Val Kilmer in it after mm-hmm. his, all his health issues. And, and we'll touch on that obviously as we go through, but one of the things in the first one that really uh, stuck with me is all that extended Tom Cruise foreplay. I want some butts. <laughs> he, I mean, it was this, this cat and mouse game between him and this uh, woman instructor who's older than him, which which was progressive for the time. Sure. Oh yeah. Totally. And uh, you know this, just that you know, like he le- he always he always leaves at the right moment to, to kind of keep moistening. I mean, Dubs, I was wet. I was wet throughout the whole first film. And um, there's also, like, so much sweat. Oh, Everyone is so sweaty. Uh, it, it's, it's like one of our fucking workouts. Those, uh, those humid locker rooms and how glistening those guys were. Well, they're, they're in San Diego and then they're in the Mojave Desert. So, yeah, like, it's, it, there's desert power in this movie, too, which I'm very akin to now. Um, you're, you're basically uh, sweating all the time. I think that movie showed a very good uh, depiction of heat, you know, just like with like, uh, you know, how hot they are when they're coming off the planes, like sweating from battle, you know, just the heat of the desert, you know, uh, I know like you can be on the coast and still have it be cool, but you know, still hot in San Diego, you know, I mean, maybe that was just like a a thing of the eighties. Like maybe every movie, they just looked hot. I mean, everything that, but it gives that high stakes, like your your life or death at any moment kind of atmosphere, I think, which is really cool. That's true. Or they also use older lighting technology, which those lights are very hot. And we, I mean, most of the in- industry has transitioned into LEDs now, which keeps the sets a lot cooler. So I mean, that could play into the whole '80s look. I mean, who knows? That's the type of insider information, by the way, that most people pay for. So you're welcome for another <laughs> masterclass by C fucking Dubs. What about, you know, one thing in the first movie that stood out is I didn't think they did a good enough job of examining Mav's mental health <laughs> after the goose tragedy. Like, they throw him right into the mix. Yeah, yeah. You know, like, he, cl- he clearly needed time away, and they wouldn't let him, you know? He's like, he's like I got to step away, and they're like, no, you got to keep flying. Like, suck it up, boy. Like, keep going. <laughs> and, you know, his mentor and the, 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 I guess the boss on set, the Tom Skerritt, I think one of the most, yeah, uh, under, underrated people in the game. Am I wrong? Do, no, it, no. Put some respect no. in that man's name. No one does it. Yeah. I mean, I, uh, it's also cool to see, uh, Michael Ironside, Ironside in it as well, you know, uh, as Jester, the, uh, the training pilot. Oh yeah. No, he's, he, uh, he's Quaid from Total Recall, right? Yeah, yeah. He was such a prick in that movie, but he uh, he plays kind of a mix of uh, Dick. He's not as much of a Dick as he is in other films. In sure. this one, yeah. Though yeah, John yeah. Hamm is is about as big a prick in the sequel as I've as I've oh, seen. Man. I was ready. I was ready to fight him in yeah, various parts yeah. of the movie. He played it great, man. Classic Tom Hamm in the in the, in the sequel. Um, and then what about this? Uh, this interesting relationship. It's one of the iconic, I think, uh, duos, Tom Cruise and Val Kilmer. And they both like hated each other. Apparently like they both didn't like each other in filming this movie. Um, when, uh, in Val Kilmer's documentary Val on Amazon, 
it's it's a very it's a good watch. I think it's, it's it goes through his like he's filmed stuff since he was a kid, including mm-hmm. on like you know the set. So there's like exclusive footage of him with and Tom Cruise on these ships uh, filming Top Gun, and then going through his his throat cancer and health issues and stuff like that. It's good, and um, you know. They, but they, to, to know they really didn't like each other, and they, but they both respected each other, um, especially as the movie aged. And now I think they've developed as close to a friendship as possible. I mean, the, the one article I read too, um, Tom Cruise like fought to get Val Kilmer in the movie. He wasn't going to do it unless they got Val Kilmer in it. And um, interestingly enough, in the second movie, uh, Val Kilmer is kind of doing the same for Tom Cruise. Mm-hmm. Trying to make him step up to what he's supposed to be as, you know, a, a leader and teacher now instead of the top gun. So, um, I don't know, just there were a lot of cool arcs in the film. And um, I also like everything is so classy about it. The, the, the classic outro to I Got a Loving Feeling where you show a clip of the people from the movie and put their name on it. Like, yeah. not not just go through the running, uh, a quick scroll of, of credits and you can't, you can't really see who made the movie, but... Um, I don't know, just that classic intro and outro they have in that uh, set to great music. Uh, I feel like that's an afterthought now in movies today. Am, am I wrong, or what are your thoughts? No, no, totally. I mean, the the new movie definitely paid homage to the to the original, and I mean, this is this is definitely one of those sequels that I think surpassed the original. You know, and it's not just due to technology. I think it. The first one, the first one. I mean, story wise, it was sort of thin overall, and I think, I think that was a good building ground, a good foundation for this one to build on, and uh, and that's why this one is so good because of all those elements laid down in the first one, and then you add in modern technology to where they can push the limits visually and you know with music and and all the talent involved in this film. And that's what I mean. This was. It was Tom Cruise's biggest opening weekend ever in his entire career. Hundred over over 150 million. Really? Opening weekend, opening weekend. Yep. You know, I'm telling you, man, it just gives me hope that you know. I, I think a lot of us, once we reach a certain age, we're like, okay, maybe our best days are behind us, or you know, we may not have as much in our minds to look forward to. Especially if you like, you reach certain goals, like you're making a, an amount of money that supports a particular lifestyle you always dreamed of, or you're studying your career. That type of thing, but um, the fact he's just continuing to push the envelope, which is very inspiring. You know, like I was reading up uh, some of the trivia behind this film, and uh, with in, in the new one, the uh, the beach football scene, which they did include because it's kind of like a fan expectation. Oh yeah, off the first one had to. Um, they actually shot that scene twice, so they shot it, and then Tom Cruise reviewed the footage and in the editing room with you know everyone else, and and he didn't feel that all the actors looked good enough. And so, so the, the hangman character, that actor, uh, Glenn Powell, I believe he, uh, he was quoted saying that like, yeah, you know, like after we shot that scene the first time we all went out for milkshakes and burgers, you know, and splurge had their cheat time. And then Tom Cruise comes back to all of them a day later. Hey guys, we got to reshoot that scene in a week. And so they were all back in the gym, you know, just getting back into shape so they can really, have that physique and it shows and and they are i think the they're, they're the classic like mainstream physiques you know like mm-hmm. super lean athletic no bulk just you know the right amount of of, of meat where you want it uh and so it, it's it's uh it's a really good look i i'm I, I the way they looked 
it looked like a lot of body weight. I, I bet they trained like the military to get ready for the film because they're very authentic in the process. And um, a lot of calisthenics, I have no doubt, a lot of running. And, um, you know, and they're obviously, they're, they're doing it in the heat too. And, you know, you know, you, you film with me out here, man, the, the heat is thermogenic. It is. So it's one of the, I'm always, I, I think regardless of if I shifted my training, I'd always look better in the summer period because, you know, you're getting maximum vitamin D and you're getting maximum thermogenesis um, from the heat around you. So yeah, no, it's, it's a, uh, and that's what's classic about it too is, you know, I've got the aviators, you got the bomber jacket, the fashion, the fashion holds up mm-hmm. like that. The white, the tight white tee, yeah. uh, the denim, um, I mean, I, I bet we'll be seeing a big comeback for, I mean, aviators, uh, have been, Ray-Ban had their own comeback over the past decade, really. At one right. point they got down to like $37 and then a true credit to their marketing genius, they they just changed the way they were selling them or, or uh, marketing the product, and, and now they're back up to like the classic. I mean, they're some of the most expensive glasses in the game. You know, you know go, going back to like age and, and stuff holding up. So you know how we were you were discussing Tom Cruise, you know, because he was he was shirtless in that scene as well, and he still looked good. But then also, I mean, how well did Jennifer Connelly age as well? Oh yeah, you know the love interest in this movie, Penny. So I mean, yeah, yeah. You know what? I was a little I was I was hurt by the way that she made him, you know, like suckered him into paying the bill for all those people at the bar, the naval bar. Oh man. If I ever become a bar owner, I think I'm just gonna be a jerk like that and just be like, Oh hey, I don't like you, you know, ding ding ding. And they, they had they had great chemistry. Mm-hmm. Oh, and yeah. a, a really nice selection. Um and then they had the right amount of clips from the old movie too to connect things. Mm-hmm. Like you saw Meg Ryan, you saw you know uh, you saw the people you need to see, and you see you see a lot of those guys too when they were younger, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. to kind of give you that perspective. I'm wondering why Meg Ryan didn't come back. You know, maybe I'm wondering if it just like she didn't need to come back. Maybe she didn't want to come back. But I mean, I still think how they handled it was was great. You know, made Tom Cruise, you know, ultimately Rooster's bad guy. You know. Yeah, and uh, and unfortunately she passed. But uh, and there was that well, bit in, in the film. Yeah, in the film. Yeah, in the film. Yeah, sorry about that. And there was the promise. I mean, that was the big story on the promise. Like you know, I'll make sure he doesn't do what his dad did. So you know, he stays alive. And that that's that's the big theme. Is that you know this 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 Top Gun is now like he's so traumatized. Still, he hasn't really truly faced the death of his wingman Goose. Who died in that unfortunate, you know, uh, ejection where he hits the? I mean, God, it just—it's uh, and it, it looks like it's him that that hits the the top of the aircraft too. They did a really—I know it's eighty-six, but they did a really good job of, of shooting those scenes. Yeah, I mean, they were also they were also a little more reckless at the time, you know, because uh, you know people people understood safety, but they didn't practice safety, and so. Uh, who knows what exactly, uh, how real that actually was. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I, I was impressed by it. And, you know, it's, uh, if I look at the, <clears throat> the main thing that really stuck out, uh, stuck out in the new movie, you know, again, the right mix of nostalgia and a really nice, but also nice contemporary feel, a more diverse cast. Um, people of, of, of color are in it. Women are featured in it as, as one mm-hmm. of the top teams. So, um, you know, again, I'm sure there will people, people that say that it still feels like whatever it was or America of an old time, whatever else. That's the one thing I have to say, like, 
I'm so sick of these people that they just, they sit and they wait for someone to create something and just shit on it. I saw a couple articles that are like, you know, this, this is a, a movie that longs for the past that no longer exists. And it's like, no, that's not what it is at all. It's just a great fucking movie. And it's something that multiple generations are going to get, are going to rally around. And it's a feel good film. Like no one wanted yeah. to see Maverick die. Yeah, exactly. No one wants to see that. We want to see him almost die, but never die because he's just this legend in the game. We need that right now. There's a weird theory that I actually just read up on uh, last night. Um, so the opening scene, you know, like he crashes that plane, right? At, at Mach 10. At Mach 10. That was incredible, man. So, so there's a theory that this whole rest of the story is kind of uh, his transitioning into the afterlife. Wow. Because like that plane goes and then it's kind of like his, his – his reconciliation with Goose's son, um, him uh, needing to like move on from like piloting. Um, what else was there? Like him finally like getting like a, a love interest wow! with and a family, and then like you know finally like getting everything that he wants. And then you think of that last shot when him and that uh, him and Penny take off in the plane. You know, it's kind of like you know I've I've got everything that. I didn't have in my in my life, you know. Now I can go on and and be done. Within and he does it all in a millisecond because of the unique clarity you get when you are literally facing death. Yep. I mean, you know what? I I, I did I did say like, hey, how did he parachute in Mach Ten? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So and everything else is so realistic in the movie too. So that would be a big. That'd be, and I'd be asking a lot from the audience, but by the way, it's a true credit to how like how how much you wanted this film to succeed. Yeah, you're yeah. willing to overlook. Yeah. I mean, I overlooked that out of out of Jump Street because I was so excited of what I was seeing. I just, I'm like, I knew this is going to be a good movie just based on how it started. So yeah, so there's that theory to where you know he's dead the whole time, and this is none of it's real. And by the way, I think that's how we would want to go out. Yeah, that that he he has that definite kind of uh, kamikaze complex. Yeah. <clears throat> so it's it's definitely kind of like when I read that I was like, whoa! You just you literally just blew my mind because um, I mean it, it, that would make it even more genius. And even if it wasn't the the goal, I'm willing to overlook the fact that he parachuted in space on Mach 10 and landed safely <laughs> on Earth. Which thinking, I, thinking back on that now, that was that was asking a lot. But I like that joke, you know, when he walks in and the kid's like Earth. <laughs> oh, that was good. Yeah, no, they they just uh, there was uh, you know much like the first movie, uh, this was this only could work without like, an amazing cast. And there were some really good, uh, real. I, I really like the cool shots they got right over the top of his face when he was doing the motorcycle. Oh yeah, they they, they treated the the motorcycle uh, montages I think even and classier and better and there was beautiful sunsets. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. You know, again, like every part of the movie is is has an aesthetic and a vibe. There are there are no wasted scenes. Well, what's what's really cool about that is uh, they all the actors like you know they're really in those planes. They're really up there and. They taught the actors how to roll the cameras, how to roll sound, how like where they needed to be for the best lighting, and and the production crew they were they would be down like the director would be down on the ground for two or three hours while they're up in the in the air filming do all doing all this stuff, and then like they'd finally land and then they'd have to like review footage 
and then be like, all right, this was great, this was great, no, you guys messed up here, and then send them back up. So such an interesting process, but then that's how how real and how great it translates over to the screen, you know? I mean, can you talk about how taxing this is? Like, you see, you've been on set for film, so you know mm-hmm. um, you may not be doing stunts, but you're carrying heavy machinery, you have to be mm-hmm. focused and on. Like, you know, you, you got to cut when you cut, um, you got to just be focused at all times, and you got to have good decorum on set. Mm-hmm. You know, you got to be energetic to try to lift people up. So, so talk about the toll that it takes on you as a videographer, and then like what it would probably take on these actors, especially doing their own stunts, uh, hot and uh, hot environments. Man, it just it seems like the the worst job ever. Oh yeah, I mean, I'm sure like aside from them having to be believable on screen and doing their job. They also have to do these other things and like know that and like not screw it up. I mean, I couldn't imagine. And then also the pressure of the people being down on the ground being like, oh my gosh, like we're making this movie. Is this the right choice for sending these actors up? You know, like I'm sure like the stress level was, you know, high all around. People aren't just sitting back and just being like, yeah, you know, we're making a movie, whatever. I'm, I'm sure, you know, it's kind of like. Holy shit! What are we doing? We're pushing the envelope, you know. And they're and they're trying to create that vibe, not only in pushing for the movie, but it's it's elevating the actual atmosphere of the film because everybody is stressed out. It's mm-hmm. hot. Mm-hmm. Like again, it just it makes it easier to do your job as an actor. I would assume. Totally, totally. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, the the cinematography of this film and how they actually made it, you know, it like we discussed earlier, they don't make movies like this anymore. And I hope they continue to make movies like this. I love the mission, this impossible mission. Um, and, and they had a really good layout of like, you know, on the radar of what it looked like. It just, I mean, it, it's, it was a, it was like the ultimate Top Gun mission. They really picked a good one. Like the, the way, how, how low it was and the, the unique timing that was required to get in and out. And the fact that he was, not only did he... Uh, He'd do it. He set the impossible goal to keep the keep the mission alive because the Tom Han was such a prick. I can't. I, can I reiterate how much of a prick Tom Han was in this movie? John John Ham. Did I say Tom Ham? Oh my god, <laughs> dude, man, this is this is this is forty. This is forty officially. What's happening yeah, John, to me? John Ham was a huge prick for sure. He was a huge, and Tom Ham was also a prick. Um, <laughs> that Tom Ham motherfucker. That motherfucker. He was trying to ground the mission. He was just such a prick the whole time. And um, T- Tom Cruise's only choice was to put everything on the line. And, and by the way, be the ultimate coach and teacher. Yep. Now, let me show you how to do it. And let me also how to show you how to do it in an impossible time. Mm-hmm. So not, not, don't, you know, you're going to respect me. That, that's, you know, that's, that's what really stood out too is just like, that's what you want. And and um, in a coach, I would assume it's what I always wanted in a coach is that you know it's it's someone that you know you, you couldn't push around, mm-hmm. but they're not, they're not a prick, you know. Like you, there's just such a respect for them because of the fact that they walk the talk, they live by they lead by example, they live the life, and um, you know so that, that that's that was unique too as someone who does it for a living, um, someone to try to aspire to. Uh, because you know, you, you want to, you want to go to bat for your coach when they, when they know they can empathize and, uh, they're not asking you to do anything that they wouldn't do. Right. That, that those exactly. are, those are like big things for me. All the great coaches that I would like to emulate or that I've known over the years, um, that, you know, they pay their dues and, uh, they take it seriously. They're not just, they don't just phone it in, Chris. 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you can't just live on the past. Well, I used to do it. I used to do yeah. it at a high level, so I'm just going to do it like, you know, um, I know we all get tired, but I think Tom Cruise is showing us that there's no reason we can't continue to improve and evolve oh. and, uh, you know, 40s, 50s, 60s, man. I mean, it's, it's, it's exciting. I, I got fucking, I was almost like, I'm not, I'm not even a big fan of planes. <laughs> like, I don't, honestly, I don't like planes. I went through a period of six years I didn't fly because I was so scared because my mom used to get like crazy panic attacks when we'd take off. Oh, it's my wow. first memory of, of uh, flying, by the way. She has this full-blown panic attack. She's brown bagging it, saying oh. we're all going to die. We're about to take off. Okay, and that's my first memory. So, um, and I had one terrible flight, Chris. Like the turbulence was off the charts. I got on the ground, and I said I was never going to fly again. And I that I, I drove back and forth to college. Uh, to I went from Milwaukee to Florida for spring break, Milwaukee to Boston, Boston to I'm at Amherst or Massachusetts to Florida for spring breaks. Like I took Amtrak. Oh wow! Yeah, I, I don't really like planes, but. Um, this just made me feel like I just watched Rocky. I was I got excited about um, I I did Boxing Five to the Top Gun soundtrack, which is great by the way. Except occasionally a slower song hits, like when you're doing like something pretty intense. But um, that, that's always fun too. Like I always recommend listen to the soundtrack uh, because this movie also treats music with with the importance it deserves. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Hans Zimmer was also a part of the uh, the music crew on this one so i think there was a uh, one other composer han zimmer and lady gaga all involved in the uh in the music in this one so i saw that man it's uh and again i know we mentioned that the it's real and just but it was so refreshing to see like a non-cgi film oh yeah oh yeah i mean that's like movies of the 90s are what really you know inspired me to get into this business and you know, technology is a great thing, but it's also a damning thing to where, you know, I don't want to be filming 10 people in front of a green screen for some big, you know, action sequence. Like, that's not why I got into this business. I want to film, you know, actual guys on motorcycles doing stunts. I want to film, you know, cars flipping down the streets, you know, like, that's what I want to do. I don't want to just have it be all CG. It, so, how, how much more expensive is it to do it this way? Because CGI isn't cheap. I mean, it, it all depends, you know, like, um, I, I'm sure it's, it's less expensive to do it practically. Um, just the insurance level may be higher, but I mean, that's why there's professionals. Um, you know, it, there's trained professionals, there's weeks of planning. Um, you know, it, there's people that literally do this kind of stuff every day. <laughs> so it's kind of like, you know, you just trust the people to do that. I didn't even think about like what type of insurance they'd have to pay out for to make a movie, to make these movies. Like, yeah. you, what would you estimate? Like, these are serious numbers? Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I have no idea. But I mean, uh, um, one of the other films I saw earlier this month was, uh, was Ambulance, the new Michael Bay film. Oh, how was that? Oh, that was great. And, uh, you know, he had an open city because it was shot during the lockdown. So L.A. was closed and he, he could do some crazy stunts, you know, cars crashing down the streets. Um, but like with with that, you know, he's still a fan of, of practicals. You know, there were some like CG stuff, but he literally put a couple helicopters flying down the L.A. River chasing this ambulance and 
you know, you could just tell the authenticity of it and just how real it looked. And, you know, it's the same with this Top Gun film. Like, you can tell, you know, outside the windows of the cockpits, like, it's real. It's actually the sun hitting them. It's actually the ground when they're swaying, you know, doing the training. And it's, it's just, you can just tell when something is real and, you know, when it's fake. And when people really care about the craft. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, when you treat it, um, and again, I keep going back to like that intro, man. It seems like what a big deal. He, they just put the camera on him for 45 seconds and he says, you know, um, come, you know, thanks for coming to the movie and just gives, I don't, I don't know, just from, from jump street. It's like Tom was saying, this is, this is the masterclass in how you make a film. Yep. Basically. Yeah. Hands on with every aspect of it. Not only know how to execute a scene, but have the skill to, to shoot it. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it, it's, it's really, uh, I don't know. I, I felt like it was a masterclass. I felt like he was in the middle of this pandemic and he's like, you know what? Um, people need some, some good vibes. They need, they need, we need to kind of get people feeling the way that people used to feel in this country in particular, you know? Um, and, uh, you know, some sort of like cohesiveness, you know, like we're together in this a little bit. And he came out and, and made a great fucking film to help us turn the page in the pandemic. Am, am, I, am, I, am I being too dramatic in this assessment, Chris? No, no, um, but your timeline may be a little off. Like, this movie is actually <laughs> scheduled to be coming out in 2019. Like, they filmed this movie five, five, four to five years ago. Okay, so basically everything I said is you have to, you have to completely throw it out. So, yeah, it was, it was going to come out in 2019, but then they pushed it back to 2020. But then when 2020 happened... Then they were pushing it back to 2021, and still things weren't open. So then they finally pushed it back when they can have a theater audience. So they filmed this in like 2016, 2017? Uh, like 2018. Okay. Yeah. But I mean, you know, okay. I mean, look, I, I, would, I would say then what this proves is Tom Cruise had the foresight the pandemic was coming. Now, now so <laughs> with, with what you just said, though, they did film the new Mission Impossible during this time. Okay. So and then the trailer was just uh was in front of uh, Top Gun. So I don't know if you, you saw the new Mission Impossible. I saw trailer. it. Yeah, I mean it, lo- it looks. Uh, and again, I wasn't even a huge fan of those movies, but I- I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I think I'm gonna rewatch all those, and I'm gonna try to become a fan because I- I'm cheering, I'm cheering for it. Dude, they become so great. Like, like one is one is great. It's got its it's it's a slow burn. Two is definitely a little comicy. Because uh, it was like that that late '90s action type thing, and John Woo directed it, and John Woo is a very over the top director. But then J.J. Abrams takes number three and really sets the tone for all the remaining films. So I mean, you know, there's always one big stunt in each of the Mission Impossible's. There's always one. And and again, he's yeah. doing most of them. It, he does, yeah, he does he does them all. He does the the big stunts himself. And so I don't know if you saw in the trailer of. The new one, like, he drives that motorcycle off the cliff, but then has, like, the wingsuit on, you know, and Tom Cruise, man. <laughs> well, I just, you know, I, I can't relate to that at all, because I'm so risk-averse, Chris. <laughs> what, what, why does this guy want to put his life on the line, his body on the line like this? I just, I wonder, uh, he's, he's just, he's a different type of cat. He's a rare, yeah. be- he's a true rare beast, a true gorilla corn. You know, I mean, uh. Kind of goes back to, like you said, like, you know, he's got all the money and he wants to, you know, have a legacy, I guess. You know, who knows? A master of his craft and he still fucks. 
Something all of us to, to aspire to, I believe. Yeah, yeah, no, totally. I wonder, I wonder what his diet was for this. I mean, like BJ, you could have researched before the podcast. But, you know, Tom, Tom Cruise doesn't share his secrets. That's the thing about Tom Cruise. Yeah. He's, he's yeah. like Michael Jordan like that. He, he's a killer. Mm-hmm. He's not going to share, uh, maybe on set with people to make the film better. But, you know, he's not out there trying to like, because people, people can't try to be like Tom Cruise. What, what a unique, what a unique individual, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Who else do you know? Like, who else do you know even close to resembling Tom Cruise in your life? No one. Unique, yeah. unique style. Um, what 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 else uh, do you want to talk about in terms of the new film versus the old film? Or uh, you know, what, what what scene do you like the most in the new one? Oh, jeez. I mean, I think I think it just has to go with. Uh... Well, I think one of the coolest looking scenes in the new one um, was the very simple scene when John when John Ham is Tom Ham. Tom, you know, Tom Tom Ham would be uh, his like comedy name. You know what I mean? Like he's John Ham in sexy movies, but then he's Tom Ham when he's you know goofy. I think I think that one scene when he's looking out the window and it's raining and he's asking that rhetorical question about sending Maverick on the mission. Like I think that scene looked really cool. You know, it just, that was like the most cinematic scene in terms of like lighting and getting mood and, but, you know, I think elevating the game in terms of cinematography was obviously putting all the cameras in the cockpits and sending the pilots up, you know, like that's just cool. Well, your, your wingman ass pussy is disappointed because I thought you, I thought you would go out of your way to mention some of that passionate, generous sensual 80s lovemaking and they, and they replicated that in the new movie too yeah they did they did you, I don't, you, don't, you don't have to see a tit or a private part they're, ma- they're, they're just it's a generous treatment Chris the way, the way so, you yeah, do it I know <laughs> I know the way, the way you approach your lovemaking it's just it's, it's just so focused mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and just you know sometimes you don't even have to touch Chris <laughs> No, no, not at all. They they don't they don't film love scenes like that anymore as well. So that was nice to see. Uh, you know, show show a little class. Yeah, yeah, and, and uh, I mean, I, I think also what was really cool is, is the opening sequence. You know how how shot for shot and like how it felt. You know the same and and but modern. You know they threw in some cool new stuff and you know it's just it's it's that throwback, but then also still you know relevant it's kind of funny uh the trainer who's on OnlyFans talking about keep it classy <laughs> but but by the way we do chris we keep it very classy there okay we're yeah, talking you know espn the body style stuff but you know um uh a good businessman said uh give your customers what you want what they want yeah yeah and uh so i believe in that and um <laughs> you're like i can't believe he's selling his OnlyFans channel <laughs> <laughs> on movie time with C dubs. I give you. I didn't know you still had that, honestly. Oh, do you like the gentle way I ended that lick? I kind of brought it down. Um, we 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 should we should play with that because you know I, I'm telling you right now. Listen, I'm not saying we're Cisco and Ebert, but I feel like uh, we're more entertaining. We we definitely are. <laughs> Rest in peace. <laughs> Rest in peace. They did. They did the hard work of uh, making you know, this podcast possible for men like you and I. But uh, I don't. Know, I, I definitely enjoy doing this, and and we should uh, 
we should really uh, have some fun with that introductory song. We got to remake at some point. You get some gain song and oh, but totally, pe- totally. people don't know, man, like how uh, good you are with music. You just sent me some new stuff, um, and you, you got like the, the the kind of the digital music album coming out, instrumentals, yeah. and uh, it's good. It's like it's great for um, focused work. Yeah, like driving, yeah. uh, training. I, 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 I listen to some of your stuff while, uh, doing work or thinking about a, a new workout. It's got, you got heartbeat. Got heartbeat. And then, uh, and you slipped in some of your own original music too. And, uh, and some of our past workout videos. Yeah. Yeah, I did. I did. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'm aiming to have, a uh, um, 10 songs. So another full album, but, uh, all instrumental, uh, electronic based, but you know, still with some guitar and, and synths and stuff. So, uh, yeah, hoping to have that and then still working on the other new band album, which I'm aiming to have out by, uh, by December of this year. So, but, just, you, but, uh, but you did just release uh, neutral row. Yeah, yeah. That was January. So yeah, another neutral row album coming in December. By the way, the safest way to do rows, in my opinion, neutral grip, neutral grip. There you go. I, I feel, nice. I feel like that was, uh, an intended double entendre. Uh, uh, maybe, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, man. So I'm really glad that you like the new track. Um, I started, uh, started creating that while, while I was in Maui and then, uh, finished up out here and, uh, yeah, I'm glad you dig it, dude. You know, so th- there's, so there's an example to me of someone who does what they love because when you go out of your way, it's vacation, right? So typically like you just want to completely, uh, be hedonistic, self-indulgent, do nothing, but, you took advantage of the creativity and joy and love you probably found in that environment. Mm-hmm. And that's the best time to create, right? I mean, that's really like, I, I'm thinking that too. Like usually when I go on getaways, um, cause what I've done this recovery week, Chris, it's been, it's been like, I haven't even walked. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I'm really just, I'm getting off my feet and I'm e-hoing, but, um, I'm really getting off my feet, heavy massage, heavy, uh, heavy hot tub. Cause the hot tub is like about to break. I think I think that the heat, the desert heat, is like taking its toll on this hot tub. Oh, um, man. So, but but I'm, I'm using it until it completely deflates, <laughs> because it, it's soon enough, man. It's going to be a daily sauna here anyway. So sure. Um, sure. But uh, where, where was I going with this? There was something important. Oh yeah, the recovery week. So I'm bringing in. Um, I find the most creative periods in my life are when I I take on like um, I build up to like a point of nine out of 10 on the stress scale. And, and like, if I would do another week, I'd hit 10 and then I would be an impossible to live with. You know what I mean? Like it's right to that point. But then I take away like seven bars on that one through 10 scale. Like I, I, and I put myself down well below a five. Uh, but I was like, let me get down to like a one where I have gotten all my work done for the next month before I go on vacation. This has never happened. Mm-hmm. Like never happened. So, you know, you, this is what I mean. Like when you appreciate the journey and you have to take time to reflect on um, pro- the g- gains you make in your training, your business, your life, like they happen in such small increments, but you ha- and, and they go in a series of steps. So if you don't take the time to recognize, oh, this was a unique moment. Like, so now I've got to try to string this together and make it a habit because getting people their stuff um, as early as possible uh, is, you know, that's in my experience, that's the customer really appreciates that. So um, it, now that's the new challenge to add another piece of cargo to add to the gains train, Chris. But you, you really love making the music and, and it shows in the passion you put into it. Again, the fact that you, 
could have just been drinking margaritas, and I'm sure you did, but like Mai Tais. Mai Tais? Okay. Yeah, Mai Tais. Is that, is that the drink in Hawaii? That's the drink. That's the drink. And by the way, we have the new Hawaii lunch. Naomi calls them Hawaii five O. Like sexy, like oh sexy, because of the the, the floral print at sleevesoldseparately.com. Hashtag always be selling C dubs. <laughs> I'm trying to teach you what I know so you can, you know, because I, I believe in your abilities to do um you got you got a YouTube channel, but obviously like this podcast is a lot of fun and I think you're fantastic at it. And uh people need need more people like you in their life. Positive, uh good people that respect their craft and are really passionate about Truly passionate about what they do, and thank you, thank what, what I respect about you a lot too is, you know, you you can not only uh, film a film, you can edit a film, you can make music for the film. It's true. It's very true. Do you need me to build your resume? Do you need me to build your your website? Uh, no, I I built the website already. <laughs> and and that that is where. Look at this. Look at this setup. I know, man. I know. Well, thank you, BJ. I appreciate that. Um, Where's the website? This I literally I served you up a promotional opportunity, my friend. Oh, oh uh, ChrisWarrenDP.com, man. Now DP is does it is it what I think? Director of photography. Okay. Is, is that what you were thinking? No. <laughs> but I but I also believe that that just like your other the other names you talked about, I bet it's a double entendre because uh, I don't know I I don't know I don't know I feel like you know you're getting I always felt you were a generous lover. Um, Very generous. What, what, what do you have? Uh, what exciting stuff do you have to look forward to in the summer here? Oh, man. In a couple weeks, uh, going on a, a camping fishing trip. So uh, my wife and I were going with both of our dads and uh, heading up to the mountains. No service. Just going to camp and fish and barbecue. So oh, Man, that sounds good. What, what, do you, what do we think? Do we think it's some brisket? Some mac oh, and cheese? Some yeah. No, no, nothing heavy. I mean, we got to do this over a campfire, so probably just some steaks and burgers and stuff like that. But, hot dogs? Um, no, no, we elevate it. You know, oh, you're too good for hot dogs now. You can get some grass-fed dogs, and you can get some, uh, you know, I'm from the Midwest, from Wisconsin, and in Milwaukee, they feel a certain type of way about their Italian sausages, so I like a good spicy Italian Sure, on sure. The grill. Yeah, a, a good bratwurst, for sure. And by the way, look, you know, you know typically I'll be like, okay, go just... Without a bun, whatever. But like, you get a good roll, a good pretzel roll. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Give it, get a little butter on the insides of it. Give, give it some treatment. Ooh, ooh, treat I've it. Never done that. Uncle never Baby says, that. treat it. <laughs> I want some butts. <laughs> that was such a funny line in the movie. Um, and again, uh, when he does the flybys, and he, he does the flyby again. Yeah, and I know, they, just, they, they paid homage to that in this one too. They they yeah. just again that's there, there was a formula for this, and I feel like Tom Cruise like just like a good workout, you know. Again, every part of the workout he puts his he puts thought into and has unique add, add his, adds his unique scent. Mm-hmm. Do you think he's an Aramis guy? I feel like he still wears Aramis cologne. <laughs> maybe, maybe. I think a cologne says a lot about a man. <laughs> really. Really, I mean, I have I have a strong collection, and uh, I just cycle through them. So. What type? What type of know. what type of colonia are we talking about? Well, I have uh, one of the older ones. I have is Unplugged by Jean Bon Jovi. Wow, have, uh, Bon Jovi got into cologne. He does. I got a. I got Shit. A, um, one by Derek Jeter. Um, gosh, what's it called? You have a I wait? No, it's... you have a Derek Jeter cologne. I do. Are you a Derek yeah. Jeter fan? No. <laughs> what? But 
but the but the scent is amazing. It's you know, my, you know uh, else? My lucky cologne. Uh, Jordan had a legit cologne. Yeah, it came in like it had twenty three on it. It had his like his his insignia, his body, and uh, I, from what I can remember, let me actually look it up quick. The Michael Jordan cologne because I really uh, I'm a big fan of I like Armani. Oh yeah, nice. But um, I also got like the the blueprint collection from Dollar Shave Club, which is like you're like okay, this this man has no taste in cologne. Um, <laughs> But it's pretty good. It has like a spring uh, three pack and like a fall three or winter three packs. You, you know, uh, could be sweeter, lighter versus kind of darker, uh, richer. Um, you're like, are you guys now going to do a fucking cologne podcast? <laughs> yeah, no. It, so it's got this. Uh, it's got a real classy look. It's got the black uh, and red tr- uh, red accents, like the bulls colors, nice. and it j- just says Michael Jordan cologne. And, and, and clear, it shows exactly what it is. Um, nice box. Anyway, um, but yeah, interesting. I, I never, we never talked cologne. How sad. I thought, I thought, well, it, you know, it's been a couple of years. I thought in our relationship at this point, I'd know your cologne. Yeah, I mean, come on, man. I'm a little hurt. <laughs> what's, what's your go-to deodorants? What are we talking? Scent-wise. Oh, scent-wise? I mean, I, usually I like uh, something like Alpine-y, you know, like... Like uh, Forest Fresh or something, you know. Um, the brand, the brand, like it, it, it moves around, but you, you go with what's on sale. That's why you you, you only spend fifty dollars a week on groceries. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is actually a funny side note because uh, we were talking once, and um, I was like, you know, "How much?" Because we're talking about how expensive food is, and I asked, you know, how much are your groceries each week? And I thought he said I only spend fifty dollars a week. So for the last six months, I've been every time I go grocery shopping, I'm like, how the fuck does Chris Warren spend 50 bucks a week on groceries? Because like it is, dude, it is hard to get quality protein and produce for under a hundred. And, mm-hmm. uh, and, and then if you want to eat any sizable amount of food, it's tough not to get up to 150 to 200 when you have a family. Oh yeah. It's oh, tough. Yeah. So, but then I found out you meant 500, uh, it was 500 a week. You said. No, 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 no. It's uh, it's five hundred. Five hundred a month. Okay, so I totally yeah. fucked it up. But that's still that's some that's some. That's like I mean, one hundred twenty a week. What do we? You, know? you coupon and you're just going with everything on sale or oh, both? No, you got to coupon it, bro. That's what it is. You got to have the app now, you know, for the grocery stores, and like you get the deals, and like they have the like special deals, and you know, sometimes like you buy the buy two get one free, and you throw it in the freezer, you know, like. You just gotta gotta play it smart, man. So how are you? How are you finding the time to coupon with your in crazy crazy schedule? This is impressive to me. I'll tell you what. The secret is is that I'm married, and so my wife takes on that load. There you go. So you you go got to, a team. Go to the store. I go to the store with her, but we have the plan already in place. So Uncle Baby is uh, the resident. I put the budget on the groceries, and I get them. And uh, I'm telling you, man, like uh, there's some really good grass fed steaks at Aldi. Oh, dude, my parents love Aldi's. They actually get these uh, really good uh, um, cheese-infused burger patties there, like grass-fed burger patties, and uh, they're actually really good. So, I mean, This is like legit. Uh, it doesn't seem like, oh, why are we talking about this? I've been talking about it frequently, but like it, it, uh, these prices are hurting people. I mean like mm-hmm. so um, – and the last thing I want is people to stop, start buying shittier food. And, and continue to, to aid in subsidizing, you know, shit food in our food supply. Um, 
because of the cost of it. So I'm trying to share some cost savings because it, it, it hits us like it hits you. And um, so, uh, man, we've got to keep that protein and produce train going. We've got 10 seconds left. Uh, C-Dubs, thanks for your time, man. We'll talk about what we'll do next. And uh, see Top Gun and see Top Gun Maverick. Support good films. I love you, Tom Cruise.